Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 102, Treat Your Eyes to Some Awesome Effects. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Vicky as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? I'm good, how about yourself? I'm doing good, it's snowing where I am right now. I don't understand why. Oh, cool. But <laughs> it's cool when it's during the winter, but we're spring now and it shouldn't happen, but it's Canada, you never know. But by the time this episode comes out, it will be like summer, so people will be like, Alex, what are you talking about? But anyways, it's not about the weird weather here. It's about warm weather in this conversation and all about you. So you're doing great. That's fantastic. And today we're going to be talking about being a visual effects artist. But before we do that, who is Vicky? Well, um, I do a lot of things, but in general, I'm a visual effects and virtual reality specialist. Uh, I've worked on some film and TV shows you may or may not have seen. Mostly you have seen (laughs) And also, I worked at a bunch of startups in addition to having had my own as well. And I'm originally from the sunny Singapore. Wow. And you're there right now, correct? Yes. Bet you the weather is a lot better than here. (laughs) Well, it's always warm and humid. So I don't know. It could be the same in terms of whether it's better or not. So (laughs) we'll see about that. Yeah. And I was looking at your profile and I'm like, oh, cool. I always love visual effects. I never really understood how to do it, but I loved it. And you worked on one of my favorite movies. So I'm like, oh, that's even better. <laughs> I think it was the Planets of the Apes series. Oh, yeah. That was a very interesting one. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure you have a lot to say about this as a hobby and we're going to jump right into it. But before we do that, people would love to know where to find you. So where can they find this amazing person named Vicky? Well, uh, I'm basically on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, although I'm taking an unannounced social media break right now, just because I want to. <laughs> um, you can also find me on laoviki.com, or you, if it's easier, you can just search for me on Google. Actually, that's probably easier. So, so yeah, there you go. Okay, well, I'll put that all, all that information below. And is, is it weird to say that I just followed you on all those platforms right before this interview? <laughs> no, it's not. That's fine. <laughs> it makes sense. People do that. So, so yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not a creep. No, no. This is, this is for study research purpose for the podcast. Yes, that's exactly why I did it. <laughs> all right. That's totally cool. Now, without further ado, we're going to jump right into it. So visual effects has been around for many, many years. And for people who might not know what it is, you know, it's 2020. Some people might not know. Mind giving... A definition of what visual effects is. Yes. Um, well, in simple terms, visual effects is what makes movie magic work. So in general, it's kind of like the bending of reality to make the impossible possible. So for example, if you want to, let's say, time travel back to, I don't know, 1920s, you can actually do that using visual effects. Or if you want to have a dinosaur as a pet, you can do that as well. And you would have to have a pretty good imagination to create all these things. And have you made a dinosaur as a pet for yourself? (laughs) Well, I did it in VR, so I guess you could count that as a pet. Yeah, sure, why not? And what was the dinosaur's name? I Oh, man, uh, Raptor, just simple. (laughs) Raptor the dinosaur. I like that. Yeah. Now, how did you actually get introduced to visual effects as your hobby? Uh, A very interesting long story. So when I was a kid, like about 14 years old, well, actually, I was a very quiet, shy girl in school. I didn't really have any friends because of my quiet nature. Um, So one day, my father gave me like a camcorder, like a video, those old fashioned video camcorders. So my uh, I realized that I could express myself through video and video editing. So it was actually through video editing, which eventually grew into visual effects um, that, you know, that's why I'm doing it today. At the same time, it's uh, I think, yeah, 
I it, I was 14 when that happened. So it was a long time ago when I sort of discovered my passion, so to say. Do you still own that first video you made? Uh, yes. <laughs> not, not the camcorder though. The camcorder is gone, but the video, I still have it. Yeah. Does it ever happen to you that you go back on a project just to get inspiration? Or you're like, you know what? That's a project that's done. I'll move on to something new. Ah, uh, that's... Um, <laughs> it really depends on the project. Like if I felt if it was my first time, obviously it's usually the first time is not, not the best time. You know what I mean? So, so I tend not to want to look back at it, but if I'm feeling nostalgic, sure. But I would not draw inspiration from that. To me, um, like the current work itself would be the inspiration I need. Okay. And so you're always looking forward, which is great. And I'm sure the visual effects world has a lot of different types of styles, genre, and just a type and types and types of things you can do. So for you, this might be a tough question, but what kind of VFX do you prefer to do? Well, as a generalist, which is someone that does all kinds of visual effects, it's hard to take a pick. Uh, well, but to me, I guess in general, I would say I prefer the challenging type of visual effects, which usually involves the kind of flashy, fanciful Harry Potter type kind of thing. <laughs> so it, it, it basically involves a lot of work, essentially. I like the shots that give me a lot of things to do. So I get to animate, create new models, composite them in. So yeah, I, I, if I had to pick a favorite, it would be the shot type itself, which is the difficult type of shots, if that makes sense. Has there ever been one style that you weren't able to achieve? I feel like you've done all, but is there one they're like, yeah. <laughs> I have so much trouble doing, but you still want to push to do it? I mean, this might sound a little bit cocky to say, but no, <laughs> no, because to be frank, uh, as an artist, as a visual effects artist, especially, you need to adapt to the shot. So you really can't say that there's something you can't do. If there's something you really can't do in terms of skill set that you're lacking, then there will be another artist to fill that role. But if not, it's, it's an adaptable process. You have to adapt to the different kind of work you get. So, yeah. And speaking about adapting, the times are changing rapidly in anything related te to technology and VFX, I would imagine is no different to that. So for you, what kind of tools or equipments or software or hardware do you use to create your masterpieces? So I, um, I don't have a specific tool that I prefer. I, again, adapt to the studio needs. So most of the time, studios use this software called Nuke and UKE which is like, you know, the nuke explosion, but not that. So it's just a software <laughs> and, and also After Effects. So those are the two main software that studios use. So I can use either for, if you're talking about the hardware though, I, again, agnostic, I can do the Mac or PC and it really depends on the studio itself as well. And okay, this is going to be a really tough question, but I feel like, you know, you're the best person to ask. Is there any type of technology that doesn't exist yet, but would you would want to see to actually improve the process, the efficiency, and just the overall experience of VFX? I guess like the first thing that comes to mind, it already does exist, but it doesn't exist in, in the mainstream visual effects world. So I'm going to just say that. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of like um, a volumetric capture device. So those already exist in the very industri in the in, uh, industrial world, like factory building, whatever crap. Oops. But <laughs> you could swear. It's your episode. You can do whatever oh, okay. you want. All right. Cool. Um, but um, but yeah, so those devices that allow you to basically scan an environment as realistically and accurately as possible to be replicated as depth data. Now, this might sound extremely complicated for the you know the listeners of this episode, but it basically allows you to capture the reality um, 
and place it and work and manipulate it in the PC itself. So they already exist, but not mainstream yet in visual effects. So they'll be great to have that technology become mainstream. And do you think that's going to become something more mainstream soon or let's say 10 years from now? Because you know how some things are big and clunky and exist 10 years ago. And then nowadays they just fit in the palm of your hand. Uh, yeah, excellent question. Um, I would project maybe five years time, five to seven years. So quite in, in a close near future, basically. Yeah. So for the people listening, just listen to this episode for the next five years and then you'll have that technology <laughs> out. <laughs> and uh, for you, what would you say is the best part about being a visual effects artist on a personal level, let's say emotionally or spiritually or physically, anything? Well, um, other than being like visual effects and film in general being a form of self-expression, I would say like the best part of being a visual effects artist is being able to bend reality to your will. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it basically creates things that are not possible in real life, you know, and is uh, is a good form of of uh, escapism as well but ultimately to me like personally i enjoy being able to create things that i know that i can either ne- it never exist in real life or i can never have in real life so there you go it's kind of like if you have a dream you could just like you know what i'm going to create it actually speaking of which yeah. does it ever happen to you let's say you're about to go to sleep or you're sleeping and you wake up and you're like wow I would love to see that as a visual effects. Do you go up and create it right away or do you record it on a recorder or write it down? How do you do that when it comes to like just spontaneous inspiration? Well, if it's a dream, if I remember it, I'll try to write it down. But uh, but if I don't, well, essentially, yes, I'll try to sketch it out. I'll start with sketching it out first and then probably create like a 3D environment of that world if I if I have the time, of course. But yeah. yeah. And uh, following that same train of thought, where do you go to uh, get inspiration? Not, not necessarily where you go, but how do you get inspiration to create something new? So the interesting thing... Well, I maybe not so interesting. I don't know. There could be other people like me, but to, <laughs> to me, like I, I don't have like a particular artist or a particular art piece that I follow or idolize or whatever. The inspiration comes randomly and naturally. And if it's, let's say I start on a project and I don't know what to do. Ultimately, it just happens randomly when I'm going about my day that I suddenly have a, an idea out of nowhere. No, no idea where it comes from. And yeah, so again, it's kind of randomized. It's hard to define, even as I describe right now, it's a little bit hard to even describe. <laughs> no, so I, I completely doing... understand. I get it. Uh, this sounds really stupid, but could you just imagine if there was a way to have, it sounds really stupid, have like a USB or some sort of memory, memory stick installed into your brain. So whenever you have an idea, like, all right, save that for later. And just export it to your computer? Well, it's not really a stupid thing because I believe there are a few companies that are working on something like that. Wow, that's that's interesting. Is it to record dreams? Yeah. Um, No, you can use your gene, your genetic DNA to store like literal computer data. Okay, yeah. Now we're definitely living in the future. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. I, yep, I, yep. It's, 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 there's some research. I don't know what the company name is, but if you look that out, you'll find it somewhere. So, yeah. I feel like if they just plugged it into my brain, it would just fry the system because it would just break. It'd be like, nope, error, error, not, not working. You would have to replace it. But yes, it's not about my confusing, complicated, bald-headed brain. It's about you today. And where do you tend to go to learn more about visual effects? Let's say courses online or other resources, let's say people um well i basically learn all of my visual effects tricks from the job actually (laughs) um 
I did go to school for the trade. So there's that. You could go to art schools for that. But if we're specifically talking about online resources and courses, um, I to me, for me, and maybe this is just me, I just, I don't do that. Like I learn from the job itself, but I do teach visual effects online. So there's that. Well, that's cool. That was actually my next question. It's almost as if you knew what I was going to ask you. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, yeah, you do teach other people and what's your teaching method? How do you, uh, how do you approach teaching somebody who, let's say is completely, completely new like me to VFX? Ah, excellent question. So Um, I find that it is important to be entertaining and to keep things as simple as possible. So, for example, if you're you, like you're completely new to visual effects, I would not be one of those people that will bombard you with complex terms like maybe compositing or rotoscoping, blah, 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 just to show off my intelligence. (laughs) Instead, I would dial it down to the most simplistic form and convey it to you in the most funny and entertaining way as possible. That's my teaching style, basically. And I've seen some of your videos. You're very like, you have a good presence in the room when you present yourself. So, and you're saying you're an introvert. So kind of like you stepped out of your bubble and it's cool. I just love how you're like, you know what? I love this so much. I'm just going to share it with the world. Yeah, there you go. That's that's that. (laughs) And so when it comes to your hobby yourself, like when you do your little side projects, how long does it usually take you to complete a project? Okay, so it depends on the project. Um, If you're talking about my projects, I usually, for me, you know, I have a set timeline. um, And that's usually either a few months or maybe as long as six months. But if we're talking about a professional production, it could take again, six months or years sometimes, um, the trend nowadays is to have, you know, cheaper, faster, better, obviously. <laughs> it's always that trend. Um, but yeah, so it ultimately depends on the project itself. It varies, basically. Now, I know when it comes to like technology, some people might consider it cheating, some people enjoy it. But does it ever occur to you like, oh, if it's a lot easier, am I really doing it or is it the computer doing it? Do you feel like you're cheating or are you like, you know what, this is actually part of it? You know what I mean? That balance of like, oh, well, who's doing the work? Do you feel like it's good to have the advanced technology to move forward quicker, more efficiently? Or are you like the old classic ways or, you know, how, you know, back in my days, I used to do this. You can't be shunning technology uh, for the sake of the old school. But at the same time, you can't just completely ignore the history as well. There, there could be some lessons derived from how things were done, especially in visual effects. You know, back then, it was really just camera magic. Uh, you have someone stand in the shot, take a picture, someone walk off, take a picture, poof, you have disappearing effect. So that's like the basic old school methods of visual effects, for example. And nowadays, uh, I think it's it's important to have both. But embracing technology helps you achieve newer things and break newer ground. So, so yeah. So you always have to stay on top of it because technology and especially visual effects is developing very, very quickly. I can't keep yes. up with it and I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for you, what would you say are some of the easiest things to do and some of the hardest things to do when creating new visual effects? Well, um, I feel like my answer is going to be repetitive, <laughs> but again, it depends on the shot. Everything depends on the shot. So the easiest things I would say, for example, is erasing a crew member, maybe if they're like standing there and they're not supposed to be there. Uh, but again, that also depends on the shot. So for example, if I have a still shot of a crew member standing there and they're not supposed to be there, that's going to be simple. That's one of the easiest things you could do in visual effects. But if let's say you have like 
a shaky shot of that same crew member standing there, then it's going to be difficult because of the motion blur and stuff like that. Uh, the hardest would probably be a really complex 3D live action scene. Having a CG character there is usually difficult um, because you have to match the details, the eyeline and stuff like that. So, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen this. I'm sure you have. But uh, there's a one famous Shazam shot where he's coming through the mall and the cast was actually on this in the actual shot. And then they realized that. And instead of editing them out, they added sh- uh, shopping bags to pretend that they were actual. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that works too. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. It's about improvising and figuring out things. And adding shopping bags just changed the whole dynamic of the scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this, I can't imagine. I didn't see it, but I can imagine. And uh, this is another question of two opinions, but what are some do's and don'ts when it comes to visual effects? Uh, okay, so I'm going to answer in the terms of like when you're working at a studio, for example. So one of the do's is that you want to listen to your supervisor, um, you know, and that's important in any job, actually, um, any career or whatever. You have to listen to your supervisor. The other do is that you have to, especially if you're working in a team, even if you're doing it this as a hobby and you have a team member or a friend as a visual effects artist as well, you want to be able to communicate clearly and clarify things that you don't understand. Um, and I noticed that when I worked in teams, sometimes specific artists who tend to be very introverted don't really communicate uh, that they're confused or lost and that kind of you know puts, puts things back. Some of the don'ts is probably don't take things personally, especially when you're working with a client. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're not supposed to take things personally. and um, It's just a job, right? You just have to do the job as well as, you know, you to be doing all the good shots right away, especially if you're new to the industry. So again, I'm probably going off track no, from no, the no, hobby no. side of things, but, yeah. <laughs> but there you go. Yeah, so, so do's and don'ts. And uh, so you're talking about doing things in teams. When you do do it as a hobby, do you prefer working with other people for your little side projects or do you like doing it by yourself? I love doing it by myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mainly because I get things done quicker, <laughs> you know. Um, unless the project is big in scale, even as a side, there are some side projects I've had where it's huge that I've, you know, hired people. Um, but if not, I prefer doing it by myself. And uh, you can go at your own speed and apparently your speed is fast, which is good. It means you're efficient. You know what you want to do when you want to do it. And you can take breaks and just do your own thing. I completely understand. I do the same thing for this podcast, but except I, it would be weird if it was just me interviewing nobody. So (laughs) my guest helps me out a lot by sharing their answers like you're doing. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you know how I know that you're very organized when I receive your questions. I was like, wow, he actually numbered it. It's like, I, it was like based on clauses, you know, <laughs> section one, part two, part one, part two. I was like, wow, okay. I never see, it's really, really good. It's like detail. I like that. It's super organized. Thank you. Yeah. And like all my podcasts, like files are organized. I really, my studio is not as organized, but the actual things in the computer, very neat. It's a contrast of things. I think that's the most important. So, yeah. <laughs> And uh, so this episode's coming out in a few months because I'm recording ahead of schedule, but what are some current projects or future projects you want to work on for your hobby? Well, uh, let's see. Current projects, definitely, I am still going to obviously continue teaching visual effects online, but the other stuff that I can't say because of confidentiality, I guess I'll just leave it as that. So, so mainly doing visual effects online teaching. Is it very easy to do it online or do you find that more challenging than doing it, let's say, in person? 
It depends on, I guess it depends on your style. To me, again, I adapt pretty quickly. <laughs> so whether it's online or in person, it doesn't matter. You're just like a chameleon. You could just do anything. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure at the beginning it was a lot more challenging. So the question to follow that is, what was your biggest challenge when you first started doing visual effects as a hobby? Biggest challenge when I first started doing visual effects as a hobby is having people not take me seriously as an artist. And I remember the first time I did visual effects for fun, um, you know, and I, it was really bad. I didn't, I don't even watch that video anymore, but, but yeah, it's, it's having, it's, it's kind of trying to persuade people to work with you, but then at the same time, you know that you're just starting out. So it's hard to have them take you seriously. So ultimately I find that portfolio is key. And in order to get to that point, you have to practice a lot. So and so now flipping over to the current you, what is your current biggest challenge? Well, my current biggest challenge is returning back to uh, returning to the United States, basically, <laughs> uh, given the pandemic and stuff that's causing some bans for travelers and stuff like that to the U.S. Uh, yeah, that I would say that to me right now, out of the context of visual effects, that's the biggest challenge. Well, hopefully when this episode comes out, which should come out in a few months, uh, you'll be back in the US. You'll be like, Alex, I'm back. I'm doing some visual effects. Yes. I'm going to do one of your bald head and make it really shiny. I'll be like, cool. All right. See, I didn't <laughs> know you were bald until you mentioned it. You shouldn't have mentioned it. But now I know you're bald. So well, you, so you know what? I'm not just bald. I'm aerodynamic. So you know what? It's also very okay. easy. You don't have to like add in hairs. It's very easy for visual effects too. <laughs> Well, no, I was going to say, I could do that. I know how to add hair, so there you go. Well, I used to have an afro, but uh, you know what? Bald is better for now. It's easier to wake up in the morning, short hair. <laughs> oh, that's true, yep. And uh, visual effects can take a lot of time out of your day just to create. And sometimes things don't work out as they should. Let's say your computer crashed, the memory doesn't save, something, an error happens, a glitch, anything like that. So has visual effects ever stressed you out? Again, this could just be me, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I mean, technically the and objectively, the environment can get stressful. And at the same time, if, for example, if I'm working at home by myself and I'm an ordinary artist and my render crashes after waiting for 10 hours, then, you know, that could make some people really angry. Uh, <laughs> but for me, it doesn't it doesn't stress me out. Actually, I enjoy it. I, I like I love what I'm doing. So to me, it doesn't stress me out. You thrive on it. It's just your energy is like, you know, all right, this is a challenge. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to defeat you. Yeah. And so it does some, sometimes happens that files are lost. I don't know about you, but I'm the type of person when I record this podcast, I save it on two hard drives and on a cloud. Do you do that or you're just confident enough to just save it in one spot? I do that only when I come to a point that I realize that I have to do that. <laughs> so, so yes. So to answer your question shortly, yes. And uh, this is going to be a really tough question and you can answer it however you'd like. But what are some misconceptions about people who do visual effects? And of course, I could be completely wrong, but I would imagine there's a lot more men in the field. So what are some misconceptions of women doing visual effects? That's very true. Um, so I'll tackle the, when I first saw this question, firstly, I, I was like, oh, this is pretty awesome because there's so much misconception. So I'll tackle the first part of your question first. Um, firstly, most people believe that visual effects artists basically watch a lot of sci-fi movies in general <laughs> or that we're all like Star Wars fans. Um, and we get that a lot sometimes. They'll ask, do you watch Star Wars? And you say no, they'll be like looking at you as if you have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, by the way, I did not watch Star Wars. So the thing, <laughs> the thing is, um, 
most people I know who do visual effects either as a, you know, well, mainly as a career, if I focus on that side a little bit, is that they don't even watch their own films sometimes. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's because they're so busy creating visual effects that they don't even have the time to watch their own work. Another misconception is that we're all introverts that just sit behind a computer screens all day in the dark and we don't socialize. That is true to a certain extent, but again, I've met artists, whether they are hobbyists or actually people who are in the field, they're all varied and not all of them like are like that. But your other question on women in the field, that actually is kind of true. Uh, there are more men. So even when I, you know, go to meetups or work at studios or, you know, whatever, however casual the setting is, there are usually more men in visual effects. So, yeah, I guess that actually is a little bit true. Uh, there are some women, but I've met mostly men. So there you go. Well, hopefully, you know, as it gets more popular and hopefully I'm doing my part by sharing this, that women who might be interested in picking up, picking up visual effects can go to your classes, listen to this podcast yes. and just get into it because yes. it doesn't matter if you're a man or a female, visual effects, you know, it's just like somebody do a visual effects. Cool. It looks awesome. Great. It doesn't matter where you come from, who you are, your name, your height, how bald you are. Well, maybe how bald you are. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the glare of the light will reflect into the screen of the computer and you won't see right because you're bald. I'm just talking to myself right now. Maybe I'll take your I'll take you up on that offer to add uh, visual effects hair on my head. You know, just uh, make make it make it your own. <laughs> yeah, I can make it defy gravity too if you want. Like those really cool hairdos, I can do that. So <laughs> like uh, like a Super Saiyan from Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and do that too. Yeah. On a side note, you know my mom, she doesn't really understand anime, and she used to call it banana hair because of. Like, <laughs> oh, I can. Uh, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I can imagine now. Yeah, she's yeah. Like, why are you watching that show with the banana hair people? I'm like, because I love bananas. <laughs> And uh, so back to the visual effect, um, sorry, back to the visual effects aspect. This might be the toughest question of them all, but what has VFX taught you in life? Well, um, I learned that visual effects is an art that can be very controlled and managed. Um, but, you know, it is important to know that in when you look at the bigger picture, life itself is not really that controllable. So as you probably might have guessed by now, I'm somewhat of a very organized control freak to a certain healthy extent. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, even though, you know, I can do anything, you know, using visual effects, I have to understand that when it comes to life, not everything can be easily controlled as if you're clicking a button or moving that square over to that thing over there. So, so yeah. You know what? I completely understand where you're coming from. I'm in the same boat. Like this is episode 102, but I've only released 85 episodes. So I'm just recording ahead of schedule. And by the time oh, I'm wow. done next week, I'll have enough episodes to last me till September. So, oh, that's cool. So yeah, I tend to like really record ahead of schedule just to, in case, cause I'm just by myself doing this. So we're friends. We, I understand you. I feel your struggle. I feel your pain and I appreciate the organization. It makes it a lot easier. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, a lot of content. I'm looking forward to hearing from you once, once this is out. So I will contact you right away and then we'll make beautiful, beautiful announcement and just share with the world. Now, you kind of answered this question before, but I'm going to ask it again. So for people who are still listening, and hopefully they are, do you want to present this hobby to the world or use it as an escape from reality? Well, um, it really depends on what you mean by this question. Technically, to me, it's it's both, right? And uh, a hobby to me is just something you enjoy doing, whether it ends up being your career or not, like um, 
that's to me what a hobby is in my view. Um, like again, it's a bit of both. So it's my means of self-expression more so than escapism. Um, but also at the same time, it's it's uh, it's fulfilling that side of showcasing my work naturally. So it's really more about uh, the feeling side of things when I perform this hobby of visual effects more so than escaping because I express rather than escape, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. No, it does. It absolutely does. <laughs> and I, I had this question back in my mind and I'm like, oh, Alex, I forgot it. But now I remember you were mentioning beforehand that some artists don't go back and look at their work. Are you the type that doesn't go back and look at their work or you take a moment to appreciate what you've created after it's been released? Okay. So it depends on the work itself. Um, like if I, let's say I worked on The Walking Dead, I will watch that show because firstly I'm a fan. So, <laughs> so I don't, I don't really have a, a choice in that. Um, and I would like, I watch it mainly to at least feel the gratification from that. And then I move on. Like I don't mull over it. Um, at the same time, if let's say it's a, a work or piece that I knew that I did not give my best to it the chances of me going back to watch it is probably slim to none because to me, I knew that I didn't do a good job, so I'm not going to look at it. So, so yeah. I, I think I understand what you're saying. Like, I'm in the same boat where sometimes I look back at a project. I don't always do it, but when I do, I tend to, like, nitpick, saying, oh, I could have done better there. I exactly. <laughs> so it's better to not do that, you know, and move forward than to look back and say, oh, man, I wish I did this differently or whatever. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. It's like, all right, it's done, published, boom. Because I, I don't know about you, but when I first started like editing and stuff like that, I would spend so much time working on every breath, every sound, every click. And just... Oh, this sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we're like, friends now. When, yeah. You know, when I hear myself breathing, I was like, oh my God, I'm so annoyed by that, that breath. <laughs> so I have to silence that down because I don't want like, people to hear I'm a human. So there you go. I used to cut out the breath completely. I'm like, nope, nope. I don't want them to... Because I go... <gasps> I was like, geez, Alex, why are you like <laughs> inhaling the microphone? Are you just suffering? Are you taking all the air in the room? Jeez. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we talked about this at the beginning of the episode, but I'll throw it again at the end. Do you have any social media links, websites, or even projects you're working on that you would love to share and just let the listeners know more about you? Yeah, you guys can find me on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Although, again, taking an unannounced social media break from Instagram and Twitter or you can actually just, you know, to make things easier, you can just Google my name. You can find me, find me there. Like, uh, yeah, uh, IMDb, Udemy, stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, maybe by the time this episode comes out, you'll be done your hiatus. If not, that's okay. You know, you go at your own pace. Pace? Peace. No, pace. Wow, I can't speak. You can go at your own pace and we'll be here whenever you're ready. And, uh, well, yeah, that's exactly it. And now for the last question, um, never prepared, but always excited. Do you have any questions for me about visual effects? What, what is your first impression of visual effects? I love it. I love visual effects. Uh, I also follow the, follow Corridor Crew on YouTube. I always love watching their stuff. And I don't know if this is considered visual effects, but I did give it a try a few months ago. Oh, cool. And I'm sure this is like the first thing everybody tries whenever they pick up visual effects. I could be wrong, but... So I would do like the split screen where I had a twin, a clone of me, and I would have a conversation with myself. And I've like taught myself, oh, about lighting. But I don't know. Is that considered visual effects or no? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you're right. That's that's usually the first thing people try, which is, again, you know, is a, is, is a fun thing to do anyway. So, so yeah. yeah, it was challenging because at first I had to calculate the amount of time that I needed to respond to the person talking. So me. But then I realized, well, I can just record my voice. 
and then just respond to whatever I said. And then when I match up the audios together, I would bring down the audio. Well, I'm explaining this in detail. You're, I'm like trying to explain to an expert right now saying, well, yeah, here, this is how visual effects works. And you're like, Alex, I know this is, I've been doing this since I was 14. <laughs> yeah. Though that's, that's my first experience with visual effects that I do enjoy. I would love to learn more, but I don't know if, uh, I'll have enough time with this audio effects that I'm doing right now, all this audio editing, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's my best answer. Good enough. So <laughs> yes, I got the good enough from Vicky. Nice. Uh, so yeah, there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you, Vicky, so much for coming on and just expanding my mind on visual effects and just the reality of virtual reality. And oh, I had, actually, I had a question. Like you said, oh yeah, we, we didn't jump into virtual I was, reality. I, yeah, I know. I was gonna say that. <laughs> okay, listen, no, no, we'll jump into it. Okay, uh, when did you get introduced to virtual reality? Okay, so this is a very interesting story. Again, I I say everything's an interesting story because probably that's the only word I can think <laughs> of right now. But um, so I was working at a startup in San Francisco and it just so happened that the visual effects jobs have dried up. It's that season where, you know, there's not enough uh, visual effects work going around. So I happened to kind of stumble into VR by accident. Mm. And that's because a, a VR startup from Los Angeles reached out to me and said, hey, we need you to do this, this, this. Can you help us? And I was thinking, well, I didn't do VR before and this is going to be interesting. And I heard about it. I wasn't into it because, to be frank, I was just focused on my work. But then I was like, yeah, okay, why not? So I did that. And eventually I was so good that I got hired mm. to the next one and the next one. And that's how my VR career started. Uh, it's by accident, really. And is there a, like a project in mind that you would love to create by yourself? like, Or not just by yourself, but with a team, like just as a hobby, like... I would love to make this into a VR virtual reality. Yes, and I already did that actually. Ooh. So, so uh, it was uh, I did get my own team for this project. It was like a VR. It's called Create VR, and basically it allows you to redesign and rewrite a reality of your choice in VR. Oh, that sounds so cool! I don't have a VR headset, but I know somebody who does. And uh, is it, where, where can people find it if they can? Yes, uh, you can find it on the Oculus Store. Um, it's on the mobile VR, like so. You have a Samsung phone, phone that'll work as well, and it's also on Oculus Rift. So either desktop or mobile VR would work. I do have a Samsung phone, so that's perfect. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yes. Okay, I'm gonna look this up right after this interview, and then I'm gonna definitely give it a try. Now, another question I forgot to ask, but it is very important to, for people who are listening who might be interested in picking up this hobby is, do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested? Regardless of whether it's visual effects or virtual reality, you have to work really, 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 really hard. And whether, it, again, if it's, whether it's a hobby or it's a career to me, you know, you have to spend a lot of hours into it because it does require that by default. So you have to work really hard. You basically have to love that hobby to death and, and work really hard. As I mentioned multiple times, work really hard. I would also imagine that your first project is going to look bad as for anybody's thing. Yeah. Like you got to realize that you're not going to be a perfectionist right off the bat unless like, I, I don't know, just by stroke of luck, you've created a masterpiece. I, I don't know. But usually the first one is like trial run, right? Yes. And the thing about that is not to be disappointed by your first so-called bad crap that you did. So, so like, if I were disappointed by the first thing that I did, I probably would not be sitting here talking to you right now. So, so yeah, you know, move forward, look forward, you know, don't be like so disillusioned by that one single instance of failure. Yeah. So 
There you go. And uh, just to put things in more perspective, so people have a more a better visual of it, how many projects have you done? Just out of curiosity. Uh, let's see, probably thirty to forty projects. See, it takes a lot of projects, and those projects are not just like done in one day. No, definitely, it takes months. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, people listening, the if you're optimistic and the resources are out there, you know, there's a thing called the internet, and there's people like yeah. Vicky who offer courses. So, the things are there if you want to learn. And uh, so, yeah, there you have it, another body with a hobby. Thank you so much, Vicky, for coming on. This time, it is the conclusion. I think I've asked all the good questions. Hopefully, they were good enough and I didn't make myself look too much like a fool, right? Yeah, you're good. I mean, just totally talk too much about your bald head, but I don't dance. Everything's good. What? I never said bald head. What What are you talking about? What? No, that's never happened. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so but thank you very much. And if you guys want to learn more about Vicky, you can go check her out. I'll put all the information in the link for in the description below. And if you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you could send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you like the podcast and want to leave a review, hey, I'm welcome. I'll take it. I don't say no. And uh, I'm also selling merchandise on Redbubble if you're interested. And I have a Patreon if you want to support that. And so, yeah, once again, thank you so much, Vicky. Yeah, it was a pleasure. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>